Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Good afternoon, everyone, and happy Tuesday. Yeah. Couple <laughs> yeah. Tuesdays before the holiday. That's right. Yeah, this has been a, a holiday unlike any other I have <laughs> ever lived through. For real. But you know, we're we're all hanging in there. I hope you guys are hanging in there too. So last week we talked all about end of year money moves, particularly for real estate investors, and um, you know, with an emphasis on on tax moves to help lower your your tax bill for 2020. This week, we're going to jump into how to safely rent to tenants with bad credit, uh, particularly if you're having a hard time renting out a vacant property. You know, this is a difficult time of year to fill vacancies. Not that many people want to move during the holidays. Uh, it's a hectic enough time of year. Especially so, in the uh, cities. Yeah, yeah. Very difficult time to, to fill urban vacancies uh, right now between COVID and uh, you know, just it being the holidays. So if you're having a hard time renting out your vacant unit, often landlords will turn to tenants with weaker credit, right? They'll, they'll loosen up their, their tenant screening standards. So as you guys join us, let us know where you are tuning in from and, you know, what kind of trouble you're having with vacancies, if any, uh, or maybe you're having a, a perfectly pleasant experience with your rental properties right now, but let us know what's going on with you. And Denny, so what are some of the things that landlords can do to protect themselves against rent defaults uh, or other tenant problems uh, if they are loosening their tenant screening standards, maybe accepting applicants with a lower credit score? Well, I think the one of the first things is you can't have both. So you don't want a lower credit score and um, not great income. That's just bad right there. As much as you might want to help somebody or whatever, you got to make sure your rent is covered. So if it's somebody who has really good income and maybe some credit issues, maybe check their credit issues and make sure that, you know, none of the big red flags are up. Um, some of the things like if a cell phone bill shows up on a credit report, uh, more often than not, that indicates somebody that probably is going to let rent go if, if the going gets tough. Um, and, you know, if it's if it's a credit report that just has issues with like maybe there's health bills on there, but everything else is on time and everything else, they might be somebody to consider. Um, definitely don't just look at a, a score, you know, because there's so much behind the score. Um and that that's helpful. Yeah, and I want to dive a little bit deeper into one thing that you said. You were talking about um, like health health bills, medical bills on someone's credit versus ongoing recurring payments like cell phone bills. So that is one thing that that I look at as a landlord when I'm reviewing tenant screening reports and, and credit reports is is there an isolated incident, a one time incident where the you know, so, something out of the ordinary happened to throw off this person's finances, such as a divorce or a, a medical crisis? Um, or 
is there a pattern of not paying their bills on time? So, I mean, that, that's a huge distinction because there are, I mean, I'm of the opinion that there are basically two types of people in this world. There are people who pay every bill on time, come hell or high water, you know, who are fundamentally responsible with money and who are mortified at the very thought of missing a payment. And then there are people who never saw a bill they wanted to pay on time in their life. <laughs> so, you know, you have to read between the lines a little bit when you're looking at these credit reports and right. look at, and I, is this I just someone want to interject. history? I disagree with you a little bit. I do think there's middle ground there. I think there are people that have been hit by whether it's a health issue or like COVID and they are somebody who has paid on time all the time. And then unfortunately stuff happens, but as landlords, we have to really look at, um, we can't look at it emotionally. Um, well, that's, that's my point is that, you know, is it someone with a sustained pattern of not paying their bills on time, or is it someone who got completely thrown off by a, a once in a lifetime incident, like a divorce that threw off their finances, but right. they otherwise have a, a clean pattern of, of paying their bills on time. So you have to read credit reports with a little bit of nuance and not just look at the score uh, to your point, Denny. And listen, listen to your um, applicants when you're talking to them on the phone. Don't just like, I mean, really, pardon me, I have dogs in the background and <laughs> I make no, noise. Twice. Um, but anyway, your applicants will tell a story and be very, very mindful of what they're saying because you'll see lies creep up in their credit report. I've, I've seen that before. And, you know, they'll say, oh, I've never been late. And then you'll see, oh, they're always late. So, I mean, there's, it's good to just listen to all of the little keys and whatnot. We do have a question from Calvin DeGrasse. I hope I made that okay. For, yeah. I said that okay. And it's, what if it's um, section eight? So the rent is mostly guaranteed. Go ahead, Danny. <laughs> so I, the section eight, section eight can be very good, but it's something that's not going to help you in the midst of like COVID where we're having some situations where we have more people that are having trouble with rent. Um, it's a long-term solution because you go through um, inspections and a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of red tape. I mean, initially to, to yeah, move someone to get in. Involved. Um, and once you're in there, it's good. But if you do get um, um, a tough tenant in there, it's really, really hard to get them out or to get um, damages covered. So there are good, in the good in Section 8 is yes, the rent is mostly guaranteed. The negatives are you can end up with a rough tenant or somebody who has um, made some damages to your unit, and that becomes very hard to, to recoup. Yeah, my experience with Section 8 tenants has been that they, they don't treat your property nearly as well because they're not on the hook for most of the rent. And, you know, we, we value what cost something from us, right? I mean, that's why you always want people to have skin in the game. Um, and Section 8 tenants don't have that much skin in the game, so they don't put that much value in, in the house that they're living in, your property. Right. Now, that's a generalization, of course. Um, you know, we uh, I did an interview uh, a few months back with a guy who specializes in buying Section 8 properties in D.C., and he basically said that you know, in his experience, there's, there's two types of Section 8 renters. There are people who are very grateful 
to have that to participate in that program and, and have those benefits and who you know want to do everything they can to to keep those benefits and uh, you know it, yeah they have an attitude of gratitude about it uh, and then there are people who are entitled and have that entitlement mindset and think that you know they deserve this and you know that they are entitled to whatever they want right so some of that some of that uh, tenant screening process when you're dealing with section 8 tenants is trying to get to the root of what kind of person are you are you renting to and i also like to go and look at their their current residents and see how they treat it to get a little bit of insight into that as well um, and you still want to do the other tenant screening as well checking their income checking their oh. credit because they are they are on the hook for some of the money and if they don't pay their portion you still have to evict them and it takes longer to evict a section 8 tenant than a market tenant so, and I remember um, when I way back when I when I got involved in property management, and um, there, there we had a few Section Eight um, tenants, and a lot of them were young single moms who were going to school to try to better themselves. And you can get all the, like you can see if it's that you can see if somebody is working on themselves, and generally they will make a better. Um, renter for you on Section 8 than somebody who clearly is just kind of riding on the system. Right, right. Now, Denny, what about things on the credit report like bankruptcies, evictions, judgments, um, you know, some of these public records? What, what are your thoughts on those uh, as a landlord reading these rental applications and credit reports? Um, <laughs> bankruptcies, I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. To be honest with you, I'd rather have a bankruptcy on somebody's credit now than have them go through a bankruptcy when they're renting from me, because that's a whole other problem. <laughs> <laughs> right, and you can't um, declare bankruptcy back-to-back. Uh, -back. There's, a, right. there's a, a many years long waiting period. I think it's seven years? Um, yeah. Could be 10 years. <laughs> I just remember trying to evict somebody who had a bankruptcy while they were in, in the apartment, and it was a nightmare. Uh, nightmare to try to get them out. So um, I don't think a bankruptcy anyway is, is 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 a bad as long you know you want to obviously have all the other um, everything lining up. You know, you, it, check their credit report. I mean, they, you can still tell if somebody is claiming a bankruptcy, but they still have some credit and they're still paying some of their bills on time. Um, evictions. I'm not a fan. Um, and I've heard so many different excuses. You know, my boyfriend did it or my, my girlfriend ruined the apartment or, or a whole bunch. And, and they could be true or not. But more often than not, you know, again, I'm going to go back to when I was young and very naive in this business and listen to the stories because I was all about the emotions. And I, I, I got screwed, basically. So, you, you know, if they've had an eviction once, they could have an eviction again. And the last thing you want to deal with is a professional tenant that knows the ins and outs of a system. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had professional tenants and it's taken me a year to get them out. Uh, you know, they know every loophole in the book to stay on the property. So to me, evictions get to the root of what you're looking for with, with tenant screening. In tenant screening, you're trying to just discover is this person someone who is going to break my lease or not and if they have been evicted before it means that they broke someone else's lease in which case they are more likely to break your lease so i do not rent to anyone who has an eviction on their record period right. now bankruptcies and judgments like you said denny there's more room for um 
interpretation there, more, mm-hmm. more wiggle room for someone going through a, a, a one-time hardship, like we were talking about earlier uh, with their credit report. So you want to you want to look at was it was there a one-time hardship like a divorce, like a, a medical emergency? Um, you know, I'm much I'm much lighter on medical judgments than I am on uh, judgments from unpaid bills. You know, if someone had unpaid bills that went to debt collection and and went to a judgment, you know, that is a sign of a, an ongoing problem. Whereas a medical judgment, I mean, that that could be a, a one-time incident, you know, one-time hardship. So. Absolutely. All right. Now, what about bringing in someone else to co-sign on behalf of someone with bad credit? What are your thoughts on that? Is that effective? You know, what are the risks? It's effective if you take it all the way. Like some people will get a co-signer. They'll have them sign a lease and that's it. And you don't really have any um, guidelines on what is that person responsible for and whatnot. So I, again, I'm sorry about this. (laughs) Um, you want to make sure that you have an agreement with the cosigner and the cosigner knows that they are on the hook, not even just for unpaid rent, but they are also on the hook for damage to the apartment and everything else. Because if they're going to vouch for this person, you want to make sure they are vouching for this person, like they're putting themselves on the line. If somebody cosigns for a car and they ruin the car, that person still is you know, liable for, for that car. The same would be for an apartment and, or a rental. Yeah. And, you know, one other point to add in there is that with co-signers, they are, they're just as legally liable as the tenant. So you need to screen them just like you would screen any tenant who's going to move into the property. Because if the co-signer has no income and bad credit, then what's the point? You're not gonna be able to collect from them either. So you have to you have to screen tenants or sorry screen co-signers as if they're tenants moving into the property, uh, and like Denny mentioned in passing, they need to sign on the lease as well uh, as as fully legally liable for and the keep terms. Keep in of mind lease. that your co-signers not only are they going to be responsible for the rent on this rental, but chances are they either have a mortgage or another rental. So you want to make sure that their their whole picture they can take care of it all because potentially it could come down to that. Right. Now, what about collecting extra money in the form of a security deposit? Does that work? I mean, what are the limits on that? What are your thoughts on that? Um, Well, you can collect, a a lot of people do it. It's very common. Um, A lot of states don't allow it, but I see people still doing it, which is the last month rent in advance. Um, And let's face it, one of your favorite terms is if you have more money in the game, you're going to, isn't that what you say all the time? Well, more skin in the game. More skin in the game. Keep people accountable. Right. And that's true. If people have more money on the line, they're going to be less apt to, you know, they're going to listen, follow the rules and whatnot, because they're not going to want to lose that money. Um, But there's some caveats with that. I mean, if you take somebody who pays you six months of rent in advance it can be a little bit harder depending on your state and locality to get them out of there. Um, so just, uh, you got to weigh, weigh all that out. Um, I don't think I would take much more than two months of rent in advance. Um, that's Even if me. they offer it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, one other option that has emerged in the last couple of years is rent default insurance. So tell us a little bit about that, how it works. Uh, you know, where people can, can learn more about that? Well, um, we work 
we have worked with Steady and some other ones, and it's a great program. Um, I wish it was out, you know, back when I was um, managing big, large apartment complexes. It sure would have uh, saved my butt several times. But um, it protects the landlord because you can have the best tenant and that looks great on paper and you meet them and they're wonderful people and just takes them down. It could be a breakup in a relationship and somebody just forgets that they just get depressed. And they don't want to do anything. They don't pay their rent. They don't pay their bills. And then you're stuck. Um, but you're not with this default insurance. Um, it, it pays basically. Um, I forget it pays. Is it 75 or 80%? No, they, they pay the entire rent until the, until you have the tenant out of the unit and replace them with a paying tenant. So if the tenant stops paying the rent, the insurance kicks in and starts making the rent payments to you until you've replaced them with a, a paying tenant. Uh, and, and it's, it's kind of a win-win, really. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the average policy costs a few hundred dollars a year, you know, somewhere in the, the $350 to $450 uh, a year range. And uh, lets you sleep, as night, sleep at night as a landlord. Yes. And um, especially we that, all see this now, like with COVID, again, perfectly great tenants have gone through some really tough times if you were in the entertainment industry you really um oh sure hospitality affected yeah. yeah so it, it protects the landlord in those circumstances especially with eviction moratoriums and all this stuff yeah so i put a link in the comments to uh where you can learn more about steady rent default insurance and also put a link here to where you can run some tenant screening reports, including a full credit report, a nationwide criminal background check, and a nationwide eviction history report. Denny, is there anything else that you want to cover before we call this episode complete? Well, I know that you mentioned going by and looking at their current residence, because that's going to at least tell you whether they're going to ruin yours or not, um, or take care of it or not. But I would definitely look back and check on um, prior landlord references and not just the one that they're in now. I would go back and check a couple. Right. Because their current Which landlord might tell you whatever it takes just to get them out of their hair, mm -hmm. right? Uh, if they're a nightmare tenant. Whereas the previous landlords who have already gotten rid of them, they'll tell it to you straight. Right. Um, and, and you know, know what? Check thing... their social media accounts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can learn a lot about someone nowadays online. And I also like to speak not just with the HR department for their employer to just to verify their um, their their income and how long they work there. But I also like to speak with their direct supervisor because they can tell you about their character. You know, what kind of person are they? Do they show up on work to work on time every single day with a good attitude? Do they work hard uh, or do they always show up late reeking of booze? You know, I mean, right. it, you, you can tell and they are not legally obligated to talk to you, uh, but many will. <laughs> you know, I mean, many, many people are happy to talk to you. So uh, try to speak with their direct supervisor and just ask open-ended questions and get a sense for what kind of person you're dealing with. And again, remember, this is for the, um, I mean, you want to really keep your standards high if you're in an area where apartments are just, rentals are just going, they're renting, um, and that they haven't really been affected and things are are rolling even in this holiday season but when you get into some locations um and urban has been really hit bad lately 
you want to, um, you probably will have to rest some of your uh, specifications and maybe credit may have to be lowered a little bit, maybe income even a little bit. Um, not so much that you are going to stretch them so thin that they won't be able to afford it. And then that's just on you, but credit sometimes, but look at the whole picture. Yeah. And worst case scenario, you can always turn to Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, on that note, we will see you next Tuesday at 2 o'clock Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Send us your questions and comments for what you want to hear about next week, and we will see you then. Have a great week. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.